Hi, this is Cynthia from What Career Do I Pick podcast. This is a place for you to learn about the different types of jobs that are out there with the hopes that you gain a little bit of clarity in terms of the type of job or career that you might want to follow. Today, we are going to be talking about product management, a field of work that has been growing and becoming very popular in the last few years, especially in the technology world. Our guest today is Abigail Lowe, who is currently a product manager at OpenPay, a fintech company where she is the global product lead for product analytics, platforms, and decisioning. I had a great chat with Abigail about what product management is, the skills required to become a great product manager, and how do people actually get into the world of product management. I just want to call out that whilst Abigail works at OpenPay, all views expressed in this podcast episode are her own. Let's get into it. Hello. How are you going? How are you? I'm good. Good, thanks. I'm very excited to talk to you about product management because it is a field that is very new. Uh, well, I find, I feel like the impression is, is mm-hmm. very new and mm-hmm. it's been growing quite significantly in maybe over the last five years or so. Um, I might be wrong, but yeah. this is the impression that I get. Um, mm-hmm. So it's definitely a great new sort of career for people to think about when they're deciding what job to sort of apply for after you yeah yeah thanks for having me no my pleasure i'd love to start the conversation by maybe asking you what did you do back in uni so i did a degree in economics at the university of melbourne and the focus for me at the time was actually on a lot of uh, statistics modules so i did some with the math department and also applied statistics, um, econometrics modules with a business school. So that was really my focus back then. And my goal at the time was actually to go to go into academia after I graduated. I wanted to pursue a PhD in um, economics or econometrics at the time. So I guess not the typical thing that um, most business students would go into. Yeah. So what what made you change your mind? So you got into data science after that, just looking through your CV, uh, your um, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. So did you? So you decided mm-hmm. to change and get a job instead? Yeah, exactly. So at the time when I was, you know, trying, uh, I finished my honors degree. I've done a, a thesis and so on. I actually really wanted to do something that would uh, use those quantitative skills, mm-hmm. but. At the same time, like my family encouraged me to, you know, go into workforce first and see whether I like industry because that postgraduate degree, like a PhD is a huge commitment. It's effectively five years of your 20s. And I thought, yeah, you know, like that's a good idea. And, and also, to be honest, like if I were to consider my personality, it's not really the typical uh, researcher's kind of personality. Like I, I love talking to people. I love um, socializing. And so working in corporate would actually, uh, I, I was open to it. I thought that it might be a good fit as well. So I was just quite fortunate at the time that uh, data science, you know, it was a pretty nascent role in uh, Singapore at the time. So in Asia, in the States or like, you know, in maybe Europe, uh, it would probably have been quite mature then. And it was just starting out in Asia. So um, I took the the hybrid role of uh, data scientists in economic research at the Singapore government to, you know, get a feel of the data science uh, industry and also 
get to apply that to economics research. Yeah, so, so that was um, where my head was at at the time. And it works really well because my understanding is data science requires quite a lot of econometric statistical background, the top of... Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, you know, academia, they're very much ahead of their time, right? So if you were to look at a lot of data science applications in industry now, these are things that very, very fundamental sort of basic things that researchers came up with maybe 100 years, 50 years ago. Mm. So yeah, like, I guess in a way... We are like we are fortunate now that those applications are coming to industry, and you know companies make a lot of money out of it. So you're really starting to see the commercial value now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exciting. So you've you've actually so you is it right to say that just looking through your CV, uh, your LinkedIn, is it right to say that you started in data science and decided to pivot into product management because they're inherently the different fields of work? Yeah, no, definitely. Um. It was definitely not, you know, planned, a planned uh, journey. So um, I did data science applied to economics research at the start. And then moving forward, I thought, you know, I really want to see how this applies to the private sector. Uh, And I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to work uh, for KPMG in private, like the private sector and consulting and see how that applies to all these businesses uh, in Australia. And what that led me to see was that um, data science, you know, in in terms of the data landscape and how people currently sell data projects is really um, a very like downstream piece of work. There's so much that happens upstream with the infrastructure. And it was a very exciting time as well that, you know, cloud was becoming so much more prevalent uh, in enterprise organizations at the time. So previously, if you were a data professional, your role would very likely be related to, say, database administration or deploying, um, you know, on-premise hard infrastructure to enable enterprise organizations to crunch data at scale. And the, the end users just log on and they, you know, they write SQL and, you know, they, they pump those Excel reporting out. But when I uh, came into consulting, data consulting at the time, um, that landscape had, was really shifting. So, uh, data professionals had to learn how to use these new cloud services by AWS and Microsoft Azure. And so the on-premise configuration and those uh, jobs have now shifted to a lot simpler spinning up of infrastructure in cloud. And then also you've got the you know pipelines piece where you've got data engineers building all these uh, automated logic to get the data from one shape to another, like a raw shape to a more usable shape. And then you've got end users like uh, business analysts or data scientists mm. to run sort of different levels of analytics onto that. So it could range from uh, an Excel extract, like an Excel report, to an automated dashboard, to um, data science uh, applications, which, you know, when you when you look at data science, it's either say insights so you know supporting some sort of business decision or it could be some sort of decisioning algorithm that happens in production so because I had that technical delivery a technical execution experience uh, I found that what intrigued me about product management um, which I learned about you know just on the internet and seeing how the tech industry was evolving in the states and also coming to Australia I wanted to see what it was like to move from a client view, which is in consulting, to a market view, which could be consumers or like a whole market of uh, businesses that you're trying to target. So that was 
that was um, my curiosity and I wanted to try my hand at that. So I think the relevant experience from KBMG was definitely that uh, technical delivery experience, but also the data side of things helped me to get a leg into the product management field because product management is all about making decisions. And ultimately, if you can have those decisions data informed, that really strengthens your case for the priorities that go into your product. What made you decide to, when jumping to the client side and to the industry, the non-professional services world, what made yeah, you decide yeah. jumping to a product manager role instead of a data science role? Data science role? Yeah. Yeah. The experience that I had in consulting was very comprehensive. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was very comfortable delivering those sorts of end-to-end, like from platform to insights projects mm-hmm. that I knew that product management would be something quite different and aligned with my interests um, and also quite aligned with um, some of my strengths. So the need to define an outcome. So, you know, define an outcome that you want and kind of get people behind their vision for that outcome um, was a skill that I wanted to continue to grow. And also it's quite different when you're a consultant than when you are, say, in in industry or like in a, a company, you're one of them, right? So mm-hmm. I think people are more, it, it's different because you've, you've actually like stayed there longer and you're, you're committing to that um, product for a much uh, longer frame of time than a project which could range from two to three months. Yeah. yeah so that, that level of ownership was something I was interested to explore. Yeah. Um, and also product management uh, as opposed to data science, I wanted to... Um, get a feel of what it might be like to make an impact in a product outside of data. So features, you know, releases, release management, that sort of thing um, was not exactly what I was doing every day in the data world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, quite a, yeah. Uh, it's, it's Sorry. A bigger scope of, I want to say work, but it, it, it's, it's more, more strategic, breath. more breadth. Yeah. And That's right. More strategic yeah. role. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, in, in a way, it really it really is. And I think it it's not like, you know, you're a product manager and you're the CEO of the product. That's what a lot of people say, you're the CEO of a product, right? I think your interest in the product is very, very deep. Like you have a heavy interest in the product. So in a way, maybe that's like a CEO. Yeah. But you don't get to just, you know, call the shots of what gets done. Yeah. Like your role is to define and work with many people in the business who also have that customer lens. So ultimately, it's who's the customer? Mm. Where do their voices come through to you? Do they come Mm. through customer service? Do they come through app support? Do they come through Google reviews? You have to advocate for the customer within the business and balance all these other things that need to be considered. So whether it's uh, regulations or whether it's maintaining a low cost base, you know, these are not things that your customers care about, but you have to care about as a business. So, and there are teams that are dedicated in the business to solve these problems. So as a product manager, it's not your job to dictate what the decisions are, but rather to facilitate um, the analysis and the conversation and discussion such that the business is happy to push forward with this outcome and to to get behind it like wh- whether it's tech doing the development for it or whether it's other business teams like facilitating some partnership conversations um there's quite a breadth of 
breadth of decisions uh, to make for a product, you know? Yeah. yeah, sounds like it's a lot of stakeholder management and alignment, making sure everyone's working towards the same goal, everyone's on the same yeah. page, and sort of people in different functions, let's say UX or develop or tech, is it tech or development? Yeah, tech, like they're all yeah. on the same data as well, right? They're all on the same page, yeah. working towards the same goals. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, for those that don't know much about project management, what would be a good way to explain what it is? Um, so maybe at a high level, it would be a focus on priorities and outcomes. Mm-hmm. So even landing on those priorities and outcomes uh, requires dedicated effort to that. And then overseeing the execution of the product in order to meet those outcomes. And you have to have a structure for getting better at doing that. So measuring and learning. So there's like a whole, this is really the whole like product management industry where we're creating those structures to get better at delivering better products that our customers love effectively. In a way, there is so much overlap with uh, project management in the sense that, you know, there's that execution element. And if, if you're, you've been a technical delivery lead before, you uh, you will probably feel the the similarities in terms of, you know, having to liaise with tech the technology team but product management cannot be project management because first of all you are managing something that's in production so it's not just you know where where with project management you've got to define all the requirements up front and you deliver it and then like you move on right but in product management quite often as a product manager you're inheriting something that's already in production that customers are using and the things that go wrong with the product in production actually clues and hints to you as to how you should shape your product and your roadmap and your, your strategy for the product going forward. So having a view of like what, what the market would love and what is the thing you can do right now to strate- strategically get there. So like with the, with the most, maybe, maybe the most little amounts of effort to hit, hit all the marks um, and, and really like, Think, think more as opposed to only only act. So yeah. just for projects, like you said, it has a finite timeline. So it ends. And whereas for project management, it's a little bit more about the long-term value of the product or the thing that you're managing, mm-hmm. the thing that mm-hmm. you're growing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a key difference for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The other question that I had and... It's more around, the, um, I guess, if we go to the next level detail in terms of what the day-to-day looks like. So what does, um, what would your day or your week, your month usually look like? What are the main, maybe three, one to three buckets of activities that w- you would be focusing on? So one of the uh, key activities is setting the direction. Mm-hmm. So the output from that, you would, uh, a lot of people hear this is uh, roadmaps. Mm-hmm. And when you think about roadmaps, um, the time frame is important. So, you know, is it per sprint? So, you know, some companies have, say, weekly sprints, which means that they, re- they make releases to their software products every week. Uh, or some companies have, yeah, so like there's, there's, a, there's a release. So it can be a big release, it can be a small release. But as you can imagine, anytime you make a release, you really need a coordinated effort mm-hmm. so that, the, the release doesn't break anything that's already in production. 
And that's what our technology leads have like put in their blood, sweat and tears to manage these sorts of releases. And, and sorry, Cynthia, also to, to kind of clarify, like maybe what I spoke about before with product management is mostly applicable to the software product. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're talking about product management for, say, you're selling a perfume or something, I would have no idea how people manage the, the development of that sort of product. Yeah. yeah. So I'm only speaking to my, my experience as a software product manager. Okay. And when you say production, um, yeah. just to clarify, that means that it is a technology that's live and it's out there people are using it so if you break it or like anyone i mean something something happens that means that the end user who has the app on the phone will see that problem yeah yeah exactly um so i didn't mention before but i work for buy now pay later called open pay mm. and open pay is a payments provider mm. it lends credit to different uh, sizes of baskets so mm. It can range from, say, you know, um, $30 $30 tools at Bunnings to automobile parts uh, by by different sort of automobile providers. So as you can imagine, you know, we've got uh, consumer customers, so not business customers, but consumer customers Mm -hmm. using this product in real time. Every day you see the transactions come through. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we actually, we we also know when the the consumers um, meet problems because, they'll call up customer support. Customer support will take down like the error messages that they're seeing and then it comes straight to me really mm-hmm. because we are not a, a big firm where maybe 100 to 200 people strong in Australia and London. So yeah, like that's that's really the realities of uh, working in in product that is your customers will face difficulty and it's, it's the state of the day. Like there isn't a day that goes by that, you know, there will be some sort of error that your customers will see. And as a product manager, you have to decide whether to drop what you're doing now to fix that or, or like to assess the impact of this particular problem. Because, like, you know, even assessing the impact sometimes takes uh, effort as well. Yeah. You know, you got to get the numbers. you got to know how many customers are being impacted by this problem yeah. and whether you have to solve it now instead of pushing forward with all these other enhancements that you're going mm-hmm going with yeah Yeah. and i bet like with let's say if you guys are figuring out what's what's going on with the app what's um the what's causing the issue it's a team effort that requires for example the developers maybe to be part of the discussion yeah yeah is it right to say so yeah they need to be involved so that that takes even more time because there needs to be like consensus and collaboration absolutely yeah and and guess what like your developer is probably already working on something else as well right Mm -hmm. so um as a product manager and also there are delivery managers so Mm -hmm. you know product managers you would hope focus on longer time horizons so Mm -hmm. a month a quarter like are we moving towards the right uh, strategic vision for this product and then you've got delivery managers who are more involved in the details so they'll make sure that like the specifications to the technology team are documented uh, in a very understandable way. And then they will also work with the developers to um, resolve bugs, resolve uh, issues, and uh, lay out all the test scenarios to make sure that when we release something and we're testing for it, mm-hmm. all the scenarios that could go wrong are covered. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a massive like production line. Yeah, sure. <laughs> 
So, yeah. So as part of the broader team, we've got, you know, of course, the product managers, and then we've got delivery managers, the developers, testers. <coughs> Are there any other functions with who you as a product manager you work with, aside from the executives or like, you know, the business stakeholders? So <clears throat> I think it depends from technology company to technology company. We're in the business of payments and fina- uh, we're fi- fintech, right? So in financial services, you're going to have to have a huge team to manage risk. Mm-hmm. And there are all sorts of risks in financial services. There's credit risk, there's fraud risk, there's uh, compliance risk. So like meeting the ever-changing regulations and we are getting more and more uh, scrutiny as time goes on mm-hmm. and, and as the regulations catch up with this in, in this buy now pay later industry. Um, there's also the growth team. So depending on how your company scales, we scale when we partner with merchants and merchants want to adopt us as a payment option. So we have a dedicated growth team to chase those deals and partnerships with uh, the merchants. And also because our business is not huge, there's a lot of scope for great ideas to come from all sorts of places. So, you know, typically uh, people might imagine that financial partnerships and commercial agreements only stem within the growth team. However, if credit sees an opportunity to chase like certain sorts of industries that um, have great like uh, lending opportunity because of the the demographic or the credit worthiness of the customers, um, those ideas can bubble to the surface and work together with the growth team to to get these things across the line. So in a, in a company of this size, it's fairly flat um, uh, in terms of decision-making and you really feel like you can make a difference. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe on t- uh, apart from growth, there's also finance, like financial planning and analysis, which tends to... Do you work with them? To... Do you work with yeah, them I think... Yeah, I do. I do. Cause, and, and maybe I could go into this a little bit more as to, you know, the type of product manager I am because they are uh, product managers look after all sorts of different, mm-hmm. different yeah. aspects of the product. Yeah. yeah. It's so, not like it's one product manager for one app. You have multiple project manager, uh, product managers for different is it features or different parts of the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like different. Um, it depends on your organization. Like if you're huge and you can have a product manager uh, only look at one button and optimize that button, like, wow, your company would be so competitive, right? Because there's so much thought that goes into that button. Because I've um, Facebook, for example. Yeah. Facebook has a product manager for just the news feed or a few product managers, I don't know. But just for the oh, news yeah. feed. Yeah, and there's just one News feed part. would be huge. Really? News feed would be huge for Facebook because they're in the business of engagement. So the news feed basically you know dictates how much people will spend time on Facebook besides you know messenger and say Facebook groups and all that but the fact that it's the first thing you see Uh would mean that copious amounts of energy goes into that yeah or like I think maybe what you're referring to Cynthia is like say Facebook has a product manager for like their search bar you know (laughs) like just like searching for things like how they improve you finding something on Facebook marketplace and all that yeah yeah it's incredible so there must be like so many things that go into just making that search bar work for the purposes of facebook in serving oh yeah like it it would be um an enormous amount of thought that goes into it which which kind of like brings me to this thing where you know how do you know whether as a product manager you're making the right decision for your product right so I'll, i'll give you an example like 
at, at OpenPay, one of our one of the things that we need to do is we need to reduce the friction of checkout. So when a customer is checking out uh, at Bunnings, for example, we like having us as a payment option should mean that the customer doesn't actually is is less reluctant to abandon their card because instead of paying fifty dollars, maybe they only need to pay ten dollars today and then they'll repay the rest over time. You know, so sure, like our product does that, like that's the function of our product. But how do you actually get the customer to feel that way? If you only tell the customer that they're gonna pay for you, uh, pay pay ten ten dollars after they go through the entire sign up process, they might never realize what you're actually doing for them. You know, they might actually not wanna go through with you. So even like designing the copy and what the customer sees on the first page for Mm -hmm. them is something that you need to consider Mm -hmm. and kind of like test and measure and learn like what's the best way to do that, which is why in in technology, you hear the term A-B testing all the time. Mm -hmm. With without A-B testing, um, it's quite hard to experiment. Um, Basically like you could go into your database and try to infer from the data what a world with this feature would look like mm. but a much sort of faster option is to make the change roll it out to a small sample of your customers and deduce how it performs mm. um, and that's that's really um, one of the key roles of a product manager mm. that is to like monitor the analytics and to design experiments mm. which is ultimately leads to the structure of you know getting better at rolling out products that your customers love because as much as we like to think that you know um, everything we roll out is something that customers love like surely my ideas are some like market leading and stuff but without that framework without that structure there's really no way to tell that you're on the right track it's using data to make decisions yeah yeah and then like to varying degrees organizations adopt data to varying degrees because data is hard you know you've you have to invest in infrastructure um and investing in infrastructure is slow it's not really something that you want to have to communicate to the market that hey guys like hold on for the next 12 months we need to put like we need to get our data infrastructure going it's a it's a big investment and it's slow and it's not a low-hanging fruit but you need to have these things in place in order for like product development to mature So many things <laughs> goes on behind the web page of Facebook or the apps that we have on, on our phones. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm curious to to know a little bit more about is in terms of, let's say, if someone wants to get into product management, what would be the skills, the attributes, the type of experience and even qualifications, degrees that people should have to enter the product management world? I think you know, myself and also a lot of product managers that I've spoken to from um, the big firms, they they are open to people from all sorts of degrees and backgrounds. Of course, if you come from a software engineering background uh, or technical background, you tend to be able to uh, communicate with technology teams well. So that's a quality that mm. people want in a product manager. No one wants a product manager who is abrasive and cannot like, you know, work, like cannot be a partner with the technology team. <laughs> you can communicate, understand the technology team. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe like the understand. Even if you didn't come from software engineering degree, like myself, um, having been exposed to data, uh, data engineering before, there are those overlaps. But there are lots of product managers who don't come from an engineering world at all. Like they might come from strategy consulting, even you know, uh, or some I've even heard like uh, lawyers move into product management, which actually makes a lot of sense because uh, there's so much like legal aspects to products that you gotta consider when you also, when when you're making decisions and priorities you know so so i would say you know maybe having a software engineering degree does help because then you know technology companies they they tend to be have peace of mind when they're hiring people from from a software engineering degree or an engineering degree because it's quite common but if you didn't come from that sort of background it's it's not a necessary condition you could develop experience in consulting. So like say strategy consulting, management consulting, various types of roles where you have to lead people to achieve an outcome and a result. Mm -hmm. You could also develop skills in data, for example, because, you know, so much of the decision-making is data-driven and should should be data-driven to, to reduce the noise. There's also uh, a lot of people coming from customer experience and user experience. So researchers, like I, I'm not really an expert in UX uh, and CX, but I've learned that there's a difference between being a customer experience designer and being a UI designer. So like someone who designs the front end mm-hmm. is not necessarily the same as someone who does customer research and teases out what customers want Mm -hmm. so like like heaps of people from um, CX and UX move into the product management space as well Mm -hmm. I think it uh, in order to move into to that space a lot of it comes with learning about what the industry is looking for kind of like what we talked about today around how do we make better decisions how do we experiment how do we take an abstract problem and distill it into something that a team can execute on. Mm-hmm. There are so many roles out there that teach you those skills. Yeah. And it sounds yeah. like it's a little bit more focused on the soft skills rather than even technical skills. Because it sounds like it's a lot of, about stakeholder management, strategic alignment, uh, communication with technical and non-technical people. There is analytics, yeah. which is more hard skills, but you can learn. I think you can learn that. You can also well. depend on the team. You can lean on a team for the analytics as well. Correct. But I, I would tend to agree that it leans heavier on the soft skills side of things or like the um, management aspect of things. Yeah. As the as the term suggests, product management. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, I think a lot of people actually think that they have to have an engineering degree or they have to have started out on technology to get into this area. But I, I really do think that um, on, on the job, like to succeed in the role, you have to be able to get a team behind you and partner with uh, all sorts of teams. I, I don't really like to use the word stakeholder management per se, even though, of course, there's a huge element of stakeholder management. Ultimately, you have to report to an executive team mm-hmm. on the results that come through. But if if I'm working with a business team, say working with the credit team at OpenPay to design some credit decisioning um, for our product, I, uh, I would consider them contributing members of the team mm-hmm. as opposed to people that I need to adhere to all all the things on their wish list. Mm-hmm. And, and I think 
the term stakeholder tends to mean that like you know stakeholder is like you, you take the requirements and you go and like run and you do that but as a product manager you're not someone who takes instructions and simply like translates them into mm-hmm. development requirements mm-hmm. you're there to work together with the business and with the technology team to devise a solution and they're all contributing members of the solution yeah. maybe instead of stakeholder management i i should have said influencing and negotiation skills that might be yeah for sure way. yeah and so you, we talk we're talking about the product manager role and i'm just wondering whether because it doesn't sound like it's a entry-level graduate type of role so for those graduates that want to get into product management what would be the different avenues that they could consider is it is this such a thing as a product analyst yeah that's a great question um so some companies actually have entry-level roles for product managers because they want to grow them in-house if you have a product manager um, who started with you as a graduate it's such an advantage because they understand the nuances and idiosyncrasies in your platform. Um, and that that is a learning curve to familiarize yourself with the product, you know. So so some companies do have that, like an associate product manager role for people straight out of university and maybe uh, after their master's, they go into that sort of role as well. Mm. But if for, for a, a lot of companies that don't have that as an entry-level position, mm-hmm. um, you could do, say, start in UX research as a UX designer. You could start as a software engineer. That's a great way. Like really getting that product experience, right? Ultimately, product analyst is a great one as well. Business analyst, I think is a very popular. Yeah, business analyst as well. Yeah, business analysts tend to sit within technology teams to help with a lot of uh, documentation for how the solutions currently work, how the solutions should work, you know, down to that sort of um, detail level. If you have that understanding, it's extremely powerful as well. Yeah. So yeah, I th- I, th- I think um all the things that you just said, Cynthia, are, are great segues into that. I might yeah. close the episode by asking you for a um a piece of advice that you would give to a student or a graduate who is either job hunting or about to embark on their career journey, they're about to start and grow their career, what, would, what advice would you give them as they do that? So um, I would say try as many things as you can. Like if you have remote curiosity in something, don't feel like you can't, you know, you can't qualify for it or that, you know, there's no way you can make it. The best thing you can do for yourself is to, put your hand up for things so whether that means that you know let's say your dream job was to work at uh, google as a product manager let's just say that as an example but straight out of uni you might not land that straight away right Mm. what i would do is consider the opportunities uh, around me that could be close to that or could develop skills that uh, lead to something like that and and try that out because you'll learn so much from meeting all sorts of people who may not be in that industry that you were you were uh, intending to go into mm-hmm. because you know they, they might give you a lens on customers or they might give you a lens on a different industry that you realize that oh actually the initial picture that I wanted wasn't wasn't the right one for me so to me the reason why I say this is because I felt that I learned so much uh, at KPMG because I had put up my hand to 
take on projects in many, many different industries and many different parts of KPMG itself. I think not many people have the opportunity to try their hand at like those four pillars of audit, tax, management consulting, deals. And that has helped me to understand what I like and what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at that I might need to improve or, you know, this, this sort of activity is just not for me. So yeah, maybe that, that's probably my advice, um, not to focus so much on what you can get straight out of uni, but more on discovering what aligns with your strengths and interests. Yeah, no worries so much about, you know, getting promoted and getting that position and getting loads of money. It's all about, you know, <laughs> I mean, like money is important, of course, of course. For sure, but yeah. Not like spend some time invest investing yourself, learning about what you like, what you don't like, and then you can once you know what it is, you can go after it, and then the money and you know the the positions that the the glamour, everything will come naturally. Yeah, I I think people, you know, you'd be surprised with how far you can get by simply trying something. Um, everything big starts small, so you don't want to get to the point where you've say you know had this very very fixed idea in your head to do this particular role and then you climb and climb and climb and when you're you know about to start a family and so on you realize that wait I really don't want to have to do this for the rest of my life yeah that that's probably one of the worst things whereas if you start small um, in an area that you're curious about, um, you can you can gain the experience and gain a leg up people who don't have that experience and finally become an expert in that area. Like you see this all the time. You see this with people who start side hobbies in photography and then running their own photography business mm-hmm. or people who start their own side business uh, designing wedding dresses and then mm-hmm. owning their own business. And it takes a long time, but they have a very fulfilling and a very rewarding uh, career or business going forward so I, I think that's uh, a great great way to approach things it's scary yeah. to think that let's say someone climbs the ladder becomes the CEO or the GM of a area and then he one day realizes that he's not happy and yeah he spent all of this time like all this time building his career but it's not where he wanted to be so it's good to spend that time reflecting on what you really want to do how you want to yeah. spend your working life great well, it was lovely to talk to you. And, Likewise, Cynthia, uh, on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope, um, yeah, um, thank you so much for giving part of your um, weekend. Thanks for having me. I, I really look forward to seeing like your the rest of your series mm. on these sort of things. So yeah, yeah. good job. Very excited. Yeah. Thank you. We should catch up. We should catch up next time we're in the city. Yes. Take care. See you, Cynthia. So that's it, guys, for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure you do subscribe to our podcast so you can stay tuned for the upcoming episodes as well. If there is any specific job that you're interested to know more about, make sure you leave a comment on our Facebook post or message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Australia, and we'll try to whip up an episode for you. Take care and until next time. Bye.